Hello, everybody. Welcome to another very fun and exciting episode of the Moving Spotlight podcast. I'm your host, John Ruby, but right by my side, less than a mile away, my co-host. <laughs> right there. I'm always next to you. Corbin Coyle. Hey, everyone. So close. <laughs> He's like a shadow, like in a good way. A, a friendly, supportive shadow. Um, but I'm his shadow, too. Look at that. The <laughs> yin and the yang, oh, wow. folks. The yin and the yang. <laughs> Corbin, we got to dive right in today. And when I say dive, I'm talking about what is your favorite kind of pizza? Where's the city that you like pizza. it? This is yeah. We're going food today. We're going well, pizza. First of all, every pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pizza's so good. But yes. I, I love, I love like New York style. There's this place down in West Hollywood called Ghost Pizza that I, I discovered. And it's, I think it's a chain. I think it's starting to get a bit better. But it has like yeah. New York style pizza down in L.A. So yeah. good. It's just yeah. like the, the crust is like a little bit burnt. It's perfect. It's a little greasy. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's. Something about it is just like super heartwarming and just amazing to me. <laughs> but what about so you? So you're you're yeah. pitching Los Angeles New York style pizza in Los Angeles? Is that what you're saying? Uh, this one, I was shocked by how because I was in New York a couple <laughs> like six months ago or whatever, yeah. and I was yeah. the pizza was good. Don't get me wrong, yeah. it was still good. Yeah. But yeah. I I was like, I think Ghost Pizza's better. <laughs> like, oh I was my like, gosh. wow, this is actually really good. But I guarantee I didn't have the best pizza in New York, so I I could be wrong. I definitely want to go back and try it. There's, but there's still an option. Okay. <laughs> so, well, here's the thing. First, I got to go nostalgic, which is anyone from like Wisconsin knows there's a place called Marty's Pizza, which is this thin, Marty's. thin, thin crust. And um, they cut it into squares. And it like, I grew up going to Marty's Pizza. That was like the place we like went mm -hmm. to, you know, it was so good. So that's mm -hmm. like nostalgic. And actually, it's still good. I've been back. It's still, it's still tasty. Um, but the best pizza I ever had was, um, in Naples, Italy on my honeymoon. We went to the place where she goes to and eat, pray, love. I'm pretty sure it's called La, La Antica, I think. And I think there's actually other branches now. I think there actually is one in LA. But <laughs> in Naples, they only have like three choices. It's like mo mozzarella, double mozzarella, and like, I don't know, pepperoni and mozzarella, whatever it is. And the waiter like ordered for us. He's like, you're going to get a double. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. And I took a bite and I don't know if I've ever done it before. And I just was like, Oh my God. I closed my eyes <laughs> and my wife was like, this moment. <laughs> it was amazing. Yes. And then the other thing is, I kind of forgot this, but I think when my wife went to the bathroom, I like ate one of her slices. She was so pissed. <laughs> like I like stole a slice. She was not happy. Honeymoon. Yeah. yeah on, the, on our honeymoon. Yeah. And we're oh, still together. So, no. but um, <laughs> that place is like amazing. That, that, that was. That's the best. Ooh, that you get good. there. That was. I I, I like the pizza. I mean, I love it like Italian style pizza too. But when I was in Italy, I kept getting the carbonara. I just kept going over and over again because I so just good. it's so good over there. All the food yeah. is so good. Yeah, yeah I miss yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> it's tasty. Um, well, I want to um, uh, switch over to our guest. She might have an opinion on this because she's in a city that's famous for the deep dish Ooh. pizza. That could be a clue. Um, I want to welcome writer, producer, and actress Marissa, Marissa Lichwick to our show. Marissa, thank you for coming here. Welcome to the show. Hello. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to have you. Any thoughts on the pizza debate? <laughs> oh my God, I get asked this all the time. And you, you know do? What? Yes, I'm a native New Yorker, so oh, mm -hmm. I have to go New York pizza. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. How many slices of Chicago deep dish can you eat? Because it's like, yeah, it's one, like one, and then you're full. Oh my God, I'm gonna say like half, not even <laughs> a thing. Yeah, it's so much. What, is there a specific place in New York that you like? Yes, there's a place in Lincoln Park. I don't frequent it because it's so rich. <laughs> oh it's yeah. So in Lincoln Park, it's like right, right on Halstead. It's like, mm. in the, it's like in the thick of it. Um, okay. 
It is a deep dish of all deep dishes. <laughs> I usually take people there when they come into town, but to be honest, I haven't been there in a long time. I think I went there when I first when I first moved to Chicago, like after going to Wrigleyville. Oh yeah! There. Wow. It was like I, you know, it was like hitting all the major spots. When Sometimes I you do that there. when you first. If you if you don't do it when you first get there, then you never do it unless uh, yeah. friends are in town or something or family, yeah. and then you go there. Yeah. But yeah, if you don't hit those places, I was telling Corbin about Wrigleyville. He's never been to Chicago, know, yeah. and uh, how how fun it is, and just with the stadium and the kind of bars and restaurants around it, and and you know, it, I'm I'm sure it's changed a bit. I it, I was there a while ago, but I just remember that that energy was so great, and I'm sure it still is. Um, Marissa, on that topic. I'm curious, because you've lived in New York, LA, and now Chicago, um, what is your impression of being an actress in these different cities? Um, yeah, I think, I think LA, no, okay, I'll start with New York, because yeah. I started in New York. Yeah. I found New York to be incredibly accessible, because you can walk everywhere. Yeah. And it was in the day uh, days of backstage, where yeah. you could just grab, you know, a backstage um, like paper, I guess they weren't even like magazines, just like yeah. grab the newspaper. You wrote down like the nearest or like the most recent audition and you would just go, you know, and right there, that's how you got an audition. Chicago is, it's easy, friendly and down to earth. Mm -hmm. So, but you know, I came to Chicago the latest. Mm -hmm. So um, and I came to Chicago as a union actor. So I felt the most distant because it's really hard. It's just harder when you're union. Um, yeah. You don't get access to all the, the storefront theaters. Mm -hmm. And then when I was in LA, I felt the most removed because the city is so spread out. Mm -hmm. And so you just don't know what's happening around town. And um, backstage was still around, but like I went, I was in LA 2011 around mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. And it felt very, very removed. And I was fresh out of grad school. Mm -hmm. So I felt the most removed then. That's interesting. Yeah. What, what yeah. was the um, theater versus TV experience in each one of those two? Was it like pretty prevalent theater of town, New yeah. York? Yeah. New York was just full on theater. Mm -hmm. It was just, and I felt so connected to it. And I was just running around, but I was also in my 20s. <laughs> but I was just running around all the time, just trying to go to as many auditions as possible. Um, I was also the most hungry. And I had nothing else going on, but just to go and go to auditions. Yeah. Um, and in LA, you know, you have to drive everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's like you, you need an invitation. You need to know people. And so when, <laughs> right. you're there, when you're moving there in your later 20s and your 30s, it's a little different than when you move somewhere when you're 19. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. So time of your life makes a difference and then the city the city makes the difference mm -hmm. and then chicago i found chicago was pretty easy to get around and meet people um i just think like chicago is a place if i could do it again i would probably have done chicago first mm -hmm. and then either gone to new york or la mm -hmm. i think one or the other i probably wouldn't have done all three yeah I remember when I was, um, I'd been in LA for a bit and then my sister was living in New York. So I went to like stay with her for like a month. Um, and so I got to, and I, and I wanted to, I set up a bunch of some meetings, Marissa and stuff. So I met with people in New York and I got some auditions, which was great. And, but I, it was, for me, what was interesting was I always feel like they like, you know, LA or sorry, New York is like, it's a tough city. You know, everyone's like got attitude and stuff. But when I was out there, for like entertainment, they were very like friendly 
because it was a smaller community. So like they had time, like they sat down and like, you know, in the, my meetings, I figured they'd go really quick, but they kind of got to know me and stuff, which I really, really liked. Yeah. And then LA, which I think is interesting is kind of known as like, you know, more laid back, kind of cool. But like the entertainment business is kind of so big that people mm -hmm. are like, like you said, got to have an invitation or it's like really quick. So like if you have a meeting, it's like over like in 10 minutes and like they decide right away, which yeah. I just think is a very interesting, um, you know, I definitely notice uh, uh, a difference with that for sure. So I, I, I think, you know, it is, it is a different, the one thing about, you know, and then, and then Chicago, I don't, I don't know as, as well. Um, the one thing about LA is there's just so much going on. I mean, yeah. that is one thing I definitely noticed, you know, is in comparison to, to even, even New York, you know, uh, LA, there's just, there's just a lot happening, which provides yeah. a lot of opportunities, even if yes. sometimes it's like, how do I get these opportunities? <laughs> yes. It can be challenging, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, what's beautiful about LA is there are I mean, and that's why people go there and people should, there's so many opportunities, especially for people of color. Yeah. And, you know, um, and when I coach actors, I talk about how Chicago has four casting directors when it comes to film, television, and commercials, mm -hmm. four casting directors, you know, and I know the industry in LA and there's just a plethora. And so automatically, you know, if you're, if you want to make this your career, you should go to LA. That's just, mm -hmm. that's just where it is, but it's really hard to navigate it. And yeah. you've just got to know, you just have to have a very clear game plan mm -hmm. and you have to know the terrain really. You just have to know the terrain. You have to know what you're getting into and you just have to be so intentional as an artist when you're going to LA. Because it's it is it's it's massive. With the with the smaller amount of casting directors in Chicago, because I saw that you were on Chicago Med Justice and Chicago Fire. Um, <laughs> did, was that kind of intent, like not intentional, but it was how did you manage to get all three of those? Because it's very hard to kind of get into that circuit when there's there's a steep competition for those Chicago. Yeah. Procedures. Um. You just, you know, I would, it was before the pandemic. Now it's like so much more competitive because like it's anybody's game. Mm -hmm. You know, people in London can audition for these shows, people yeah. in Paris, you know, and get cast. But at that time, you know, there, there were like seven Asian actresses. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we all, we would around the same age range and we'd all get called in. You know, and it was just a matter of time before we all kind of circled in. A matter of time before you got cast in one of them. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I I feel like you know, there's the the Chicago shows, and then you know, obviously in New York there was Law and Orders, and then in like L A there was like the CSIs. There was like which which procedural, you know, in which yeah. city, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. it was like it's like trying to get that, you know, on your. It's it's kind of like when I talk to actors and they're like, "How the hell have I not been on Grey's Anatomy? It's been on forty seven seasons. How could I not be yeah. on that show yet? You yeah. know, like so. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean. But you 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 got those shows um, on yeah. on your on your on your resume. So we're kind of like sounds like we're kind of working backwards, Marissa. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But, but I'm also curious about you got your MFA at University of Washington, correct? Seattle. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious that process. Would you recommend that for people who are thinking about it? What what changed? You know, I'm just your mm. your thoughts on that because that's something we haven't really talked to some, someone about. Yeah, MFAs they're really tricky. I think now they've become so saturated. And so, you know, is it just smarter to dive right into the business, you know, the industry? I think MFA programs are really wonderful in the sense that it is like a three-year spa of just acting mm. and just getting to know 
yourself as an artist and just exploring voice and movement and acting. And that's, that's your job for three years. And um, it's just such a beautiful experience. But you don't learn too much about the business. And a lot of programs don't really take the time to bring in actual people that are working in the industry to, you know, to do a workshop for a semester or a quarter and really teach you about the business. And so most, most people come out of the program like not really understanding the difference between a co-star or a guest star, a manager versus an agent that people have to go get commercial agents and a theatrical agent and that a theatrical agent is not a theater agent. Mm-hmm. And that different that Chicago has one big agency that will represent you theatrically, theater and commercial, and that in LA and New York, it's more a la carte. Mm-hmm. You walk out and you're like, which city do I go to? And then you're like, well, Chicago has forecasting directors. LA has, I don't know, 40,000. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, where, where do you want to be comfortable? Do you want to like find a community? Do you want to find a community and yet, you know, still be in a big market where there are a lot of opportunities? Like, you know, you have to ask yourself a lot of these questions, but you can't ask those questions when you don't know. Yeah. And so you can become the most amazing artist, but if you don't know how to navigate the business, you know, so I feel like a lot of young young actors or just actors that come out of MFA programs, they spend like a good three years just figuring out how to navigate the business and they don't, and they get very frustrated and a lot of them just end up leaving. Yeah. I remember I, I directed a, um, first of all, I love that you called it a spa because the few times I've been to a, a spa, Corbin still, hasn't got me, Corbin still hasn't got me a gift card for a really nice spa, but he should at some point. Soon, so thank you for yeah. all I've done for him. Um, I love that idea because you're kind of in the world when you're in a spa, I always feel like yeah. you're not thinking about anything outside. So like when mm-hmm. you're in that grad program, you know, you're in it, which is, which is great, which is a wonderful feeling, but yeah, there is mm-hmm. stuff happening outside. But what I, yeah, I was thinking about that when I, um, I directed a showcase for, um, Northwestern alumni, yeah. and then we had some like yes. recent grads come and do a Q and a, and they, you know, they kind of were talking about, um, you know, and, and, and this was, I think in, in a good way, but they were like, you know, I really want to do Shakespeare and I want to do, you know, theater, which I love, I love all that. But in my head, when I got out to LA, I had to like pay the bill. So I was like, I'll do non-union industry. Like, you know, I mean, I love the, 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 I think, and I think sometimes like that's part of the reality or the business side where you're like, okay, well, yes, I think the, 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 lovely theater and stuff like that but you also got to realize that's not really right away going to pay the bills and you got to figure out what is that side you know how do you pay your bills how do you get work that gets you on set whether that's you know the lead role or not a lead role you know and i think that's part of like kind of um something that you know mm-hmm. not not that it's not taught but like it kind of it, it hits you in the face when you move to like a yeah, la or new yeah. york right mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know there's like a stigma in LA about extra work, Mm -hmm. but I think what young actors or just actors don't realize that when you're in SAG and you do a like commercial extra work, that that pays like $400. Yep. And you, you only, you have to be on set for eight hours. And if you're on set for longer, they pay you overtime. Yep. And yeah, you know, and then that's also um, points towards your SAG towards that and that's incredible that's a that's a lot of money and that's really um fruitful and that's nothing to be ashamed of and i know actors jump on it like they love it they jump on it there's no shame whatsoever so when i talk to la actors i'm like well you don't want to do extra work for you know like movies are different tv shows are different but definitely seek out commercial and like those are things that 
we're not told in grad school. You're not told no. to do extra work. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. And you're like, what? Extra work? Yeah. But yeah, yes. yeah like bartending and making 400 bucks is like, yeah. you know, a great night for bartenders. Well, you can do, you can make that in eight hours doing extra work. And, and being on set. And sometimes you get downtime on set. So if you're writing something, so much downtime. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's so downtime. when I when I first got it's funny when I just when I first got out here, Marissa, I definitely did that. I drove to central casting. I signed up, you know, I was on some sets and yeah, some were better than others. I remember I was on the set of old school um, and that was a cool experience because um, I got to meet Will Ferrell just through these kind of some random connections on set and stuff. But then I was I remember also I was on the set of The Hot Chick, which was a Rob Schneider movie. And it was like not a good experience so you you know you have all these different experiences you know and it and it depends but i think you're right i think it is a great way if you have no experience being on set and i yeah. i've talked to so many people who have done that you know whether they admit it or not that like because you don't you don't know where to start you know you're like what do i what do i do you know yeah. i think that's yeah that's great it is and it's good like i was on set for extra work and i was like well, you know, because I'm about to create my own set yeah. and I was watching the COVID compliance officer. Mm -hmm. I have to learn about that. Yes. To, you know, um, I have to get someone to be a COVID compliance officer. And so I was just picking the CEO, you know, the COVID, COVID, what was it, CCO's head. And I was just like, mm -hmm. let me see the license. Like, where did you go? Where, mm -hmm. You know, and you just like, you pay attention when you're when you're on set as an actor, you're like, what is it? What is a DP doing? Like, how are they capturing all the coverage and stuff? Especially when you're, when you know that you're going to be directing yourself or yeah. when you're going to be producing yourself or when you're going to be simulate, simulating a set yourself, you know? Yeah. Well, you can choose to pay attention. You could choose to well, check yeah, out or yeah. you could choose Marissa, but you're right. I love, I love that. Yeah. 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 People that are interested in film, you know, and yep. I think most of us are that work in that act in front of the camera. We, we have a fascination for it. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. cool when you're on set because you're you just want to you're interested in what everyone's doing, even from the costume people. At least I am. So I'm always just I love being on set, regardless of what position I'm in when I'm on there. And, the, and there's free food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like my husband was like, no other jobs. You just get free food. <laughs> Good I was point. Like, yeah. yeah they yeah. feed you like breakfast lunch and dinner you know <laughs> yeah. yeah that's been one of the changes uh you know i i, I worked on like um uh, a commercial recently and and one of the changes uh marissa though is like craft services on some of the kind of bigger bigger sets is like it used to be all spread out and so you could pick mm -hmm. which is great but now oh. it's in a truck some of them are in a truck and you have to like tell them and you're like but i don't know what's in your truck like what's back there you know because like they, <laughs> the door is open but you're like yeah what do you got you know what's yeah what, what don't i know what's good in there you know and so yeah like you gotta try to <laughs> suss it out you know see what other people get you know sometimes i'll have a board or something but um, <laughs> um wait so marissa i want to you you kind of touched on it about your film that's how that's how we met we're going to be doing a film together in chicago this summer I want to talk about the process of creating Searching for You because as far as I, as far as I know, I think it started off as like a theater piece and then a short film and now it's going to be a feature, but can you kind of talk us through uh, that? Yeah. Um, I wrote a solo show a long time ago. I conceived of it in 2005 and then I actually wrote it in 2011. And in my graduate program, we wrote 10 minutes in our second year and then we wrote 20 minutes in our third year. And then when I got out, I wrote... 60 minutes and then i performed it that summer at the hollywood fringe festival mm -hmm. and then the next summer i took it to the new york fringe festival and it was a different story you know it was pretty much like the scope of my story 
and it was it was really well received. And then I um I just I toured it. I went to different adoption conferences. Um, I was invited to different places, and I would do snippets of it. I would do the entire show, and it just always got such amazing feedback. Can you and tell I, us just a, just a simplified version of the of the story? Yeah, it's about you know my journey um, meeting my birth family and um, what each reunion was like and how I was how I kept on wanting to meet more and more family members. And I just found that the more um, relatives I met, the more questions I had and the more questions I had, it was the more I wanted to know and that I was not going to receive all of the answers. And I got to the point where I was like, you just have to stop because you could meet and meet and meet everyone, but you're just not going to get all the answers that you want. And it had to stop at a half sister who I finally was not allowed to meet. They just wouldn't let me meet her. They really just shielded the sister from me. And I just had to come to a point where I was like, I just stop. I was like, you found almost all of them. I was like, I think you just need to make your peace and just, you know, I had met my, I actually met my husband that same time in Korea. So while I was painfully going through my past, I was also falling in love and build, starting to like build my future. Mm. And so I had this dual experience going on. And so because I was finding love for the first time, and then I was also going through this very broken love I was, it was, I was sort of being rebuilt. And so I was finding this beautiful balance essentially. And that's what helped me through all of this. So when I kind of came to a dead end or not a dead end, when I kind of just came to this crossroad, it was actually a Buddhist sibling of mine, like a second cousin of mine. That was just like, you found, you know, you found this love. You can go back to America now and start a new life and just sort of begin new and and have found all of this she's like but your half sister has to live with your father and your stepmother and if you shatter her reality that's her every day she's like you're going to go back to america and you're going to have this whole new life but you're going to completely shatter her reality she's like i think you should just maybe stop and just be, you know, just be really happy that you got this whole experience because they say like 5% of adoptees get to meet one parent, let alone the entire family. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of the genesis of my solo show. And I wanted to, but I was very hurt that she, you know, that I couldn't meet her. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the only way I could really process it was by making something out of it. So when it came time to writing a solo piece, I knew I wanted to explore my adoption because there were there are many other facets of it besides my reunification story. I grew up in a family of eight. Oh, I grew up in a family of 10 kids. Eight are adopted. And so I knew I wanted to somehow use that in a story one day. So I thought that would be my like solo show one day when I thought about thought about it in 2005. But then when all of this happened in 2006, I was like, oh, this is a story. 
So my solo show captures this part of the story, my reunification, and then it also flashes back to um, growing up with 10 siblings, eight of them adopted, and just what it was like to have eight adopted siblings, five Korean, and, you know, five Caucasian siblings, Mm -hmm. and living in like a small house in upstate New York with one bathroom. It was really comical. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Yeah. So my solo show is really about this girl's search for her family and juxtapose with her other family. That's just incredibly absurd. You know, we had four dogs and four cats and 10 kids and my parents. (laughs) And so it was like a full house and then kind of like an empty house. And um, so that was my solo show and it was really well received. And I, you know, it's like a funny story. It's a heartbreaking story. And then someone was like, you should make it into a movie. And I held on to that idea for a while. And then a theater here in Chicago produced um, my solo show, which is called Yellow Dress. And I did it. And again, it was like really well received. And I kept on thinking about making it into a movie. And I just, I sat down and I made it into a short, but it wasn't really that. It was very tangential. It was about a woman, a mother, just looking at her son Think, looking at his abundance and then thinking back about her time in the orphanage. Because mm-hmm. my brother and I lived in an orphanage that was like the interim before we came to America. So it was just about that little slice, that little moment in time when we were in the orphanage. So it's about a mother looking at her son and then thinking back to her being in the orphanage. And that's the f- short film. So when I decided to write Searching for You, I was like, like I can't have three projects called Yellow Dress. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and I can't, I'm like, it's not going to be Yellow Dress, like the solo show. I'm like, it's got to have, a, I'm like, it can have a, a similar theme, but I'm like, it's got to have a different goal. Same theme, it can be about a person searching for themselves because ultimately we're all searching for ourselves. It just looks different for everybody. But I'm like, what's the angle this time? And I kept on coming back to my sister, you know. She did, she got a very prestigious education. It was a complete opposite from my my journey and my brother's journey, which Chris, Chris Yim, he ended up, he interviewed my brother. Oh, he did? He did, yeah. He's playing my, your brother in the film, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He interviewed he, your brother. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he interviewed my brother and my brother put it on Instagram. It was um yeah. Oh was, and and the title, just so people know, is searching for you as but it's Y O O. Right. That's part of a name, which I think is really I love it. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. I, I love that. Yeah. It, you know, just obviously the double the Y O U, you know. Yeah. The double know. Name. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, and so that's kind of how I came up, decided to create the film and then just really looped in the sister aspect because she is still a big mystery. And um, and I think um, a sister-sister story is, I just think there's something really beautiful about sibling stories. Mm-hmm. And then people have asked, like, well, are you going to put your husband in it? You know, and like, I really believe like, you know, like I just, Oh, what is it? The Bechtel, Bechtel something where like, it's not about love stories. It's about like, you know, two women or, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm, I just thought I wanted to focus on like a sibling story, a family story. Cause so much of my life has always been like the drama has always been family. Mm. 
you know, family and siblings and finding a balance with all of that, especially having so many adopted siblings and just finding my balance with each and every one of them. Yeah. I love, I love that. So such a beautiful and like raw story that just feels like it needs to be told. And that's so lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many stories about love and relationships and, you know, there, I think deeper stories about family. Cause like it, they're so complex, you know, it, there's, there's love there, but it's always written. It's just always layered with so much. Cause we grow up with them, you know, a lot of times they, we don't pick them yeah. in my case, you know, our parents chose us or, or didn't, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, when I, like you're saying that, cause everybody's searching for themselves. Um, when I do that, <laughs> when I kind of like start to like dive deep and try to figure out all those questions that may or may not have answers, uh, I kind of get lost in there, you know? Uh, so how do you, how do you find your, your time and space to be able to put it on a piece of paper? Do you like set a schedule? Like, how do you, how do you get out of that? Cause for me, it's so hard. Cause I just start to ruminate. Basically. I just start to kind of get in there and just never get out of that loop. But like for anybody else who's trying to grow and put something beautiful out there, how do you, how do you do it? Um, oh, good question. I don't know. I play, you know what I listened to, it started with Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. When I was in the orphanage, Michael Jackson played, they had Michael Jackson playing. And I remember watching, watching him thinking like that was, a. we, we all said that was America. Mm-hmm. So he was my association to America. So when I was writing the 10 minute piece, I had Michael Jackson playing and man in the mirror came on wow. and it's this idea of reflection, mm-hmm. you know, and I just asked myself, when was the first time you actually saw yourself? And then I remember when I was like, that's why it was called yellow dress. Cause I remember I had a dress and it was yellow. And I remember I was like, I don't know, four or something. And I remember looking in the mirror and I was so happy to have a dress because this is such an iconic story. Now I like tell it in all the interviews I've had. Um, and I haven't had many, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think I had one, but, um, but there was the New York times Corbin. So yeah, it was, yeah, a, it was a big one. It was a big one. It was a big one. <laughs> um, we at the orphanage, we got like one outfit like every month. And then I had, I had a dress for one, for one month, my outfit was a dress and I was really, really happy that it was a dress and it was a yellow dress. And I remember I was looking in the mirror, like really admiring my yellow dress. And that was like the first time I saw myself. And I just remember thinking like, wow, that's what I look like. You know, granted I had very short hair because all the kids had lice, but I like, didn't see that. All I saw was a dress. And I just remember being so happy so when I was writing this piece, like in graduate school, in like my little room in Seattle, Man in the Mirror came on. I remember that dress and I was just like, wow. I remember it was like the worst. I just remember it being pretty deplorable circumstances. But I remember just how happy, just how happy and free I felt when I like first saw myself. So I took that concept and I ran with it and I just just kept on telling myself, always think of the most purest time and the most purest thoughts you've ever had. Mm-hmm. Whenever you find yourself getting like lost and discombobulated or just putting layers upon layers of like nonsense. Mm-hmm. And that also, that also came to when I had my son 
you know, when you see innocence, you try to remember the time when, when you were, you know, at your most purest. And so when I saw him, that's, I, and I think that's where my short film too, because I try to think back to when I felt true and pure. Love that word pure. Like, yeah. I don't think a lot of, I don't think that, I don't use that word often, but I think it's good to kind of have in the forefront of your mind for sure. Yeah. Yeah. When your intentions are not, when there's, when your intentions are just completely, you know, you're just behaving out of behavior. You're, there's nothing malice or there's nothing behind it. I can't believe, like you said you were four when you, you were wearing that dress. I, I can't believe you remember yeah, that. That's so, four or five. Yeah. Um, I can't, I don't think I remember. You know, fast I was eight. <laughs> like it's just so, like, such a yeah, iconic. When you have a pretty, when you have a tough childhood, mm -hmm. you just, you tune into it pretty quickly. And so it's a good thing if you don't have any has <laughs> gone. Yeah. <laughs> Until eight. It's a very good thing. Yeah, My husband true. remembers chickens <laughs> from his from his toddler years. That's I'm like, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. That's good. It's funny. Yeah. Marissa, I'm just curious on this topic. It's 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 wild because I feel like I hear that word orphanage and I think of like movies or i think of like because i feel like they don't even exist anymore i mean mm. i don't know if it's mostly in the u.s if it's foster care system now i mean maybe you know more but like it's just such a it feels like such a now it's become like a you know i don't know what it is in my mind it's almost like a stereotypical world that i don't know at all so it's mm -hmm. like it's really it's 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 really revealing like that's why i feel like i'm so not not quiet but like my energy's changed because when you talk about it and this is something corbin when we've read the script marissa is so emotionally available to the subject but you've 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 obviously you know you've, you've been through a lot but my point is also it's so personal to you this is also such a personal story and i think it's really beautiful and sad in the sense that there's pain and there's all these things and i think that's one of the lovely things how have you, I guess part of it is kind of through your, your art, but have you found with what you've been through, like, do you still talk to your husband a lot about it? Do you like to do it with your writing? Do you feel talking to friends? How, how do you kind of, you know, um, process? Yeah, I think what's so nice when you're an artist and you have this channel is that once you create something, it becomes a product. And so you're able to give it over and um, make it entertainment or something that you share on a platform. So it no longer becomes like this therapy thing. It becomes something that you can share. So now it's a story. And although it came from you and it came from your experiences, it's now a story that people can hopefully relate to or empathize or sympathize with. And it's something that you share. And you think about great comedians, you think about any storyteller, it, majority of the work that's out in the world is coming from a personal place from someone. And you listen to comedians, they all talk about how it comes from a place of pain. Mm -hmm. You know, and they, they're just masters at being able to spin it into funny, into comedy. So it's for someone, it's for people to enjoy. And the process is that you're able to spin it and make it into something that hopefully people are able to enjoy, digest, and, um, and that it helps them 
or it makes them feel good or, you know, they're able to say, hey, you know what, things aren't so bad. You know, if someone can go experience something like that, turn it into something like that and then you know what it's not it's not so bad for me people that's why people watch reality tv it makes them feel better about themselves yes, yeah for sure you know at the end of the day um and so for me it becomes like a, a product that i can put out there and so it's a it's a really um healing process creating it and then once it's done i've worked through it and then then it becomes a story and then i no longer feel like it's like um, a conversation or something that I'm revealing to someone in, in private. Mm-hmm. It just becomes like, you know, when you create a piece of drawing and then you can give it to someone and be like, Hey, I made this drawing for you. And then they're like, Oh, that's beautiful. Or it's funny. Like, okay, thank you. And this was my out son, in the world. My son does that. He loves to draw. But the thing he does, Marissa, is he's like, I'm like, Oh, can I have it? He's like 20 bucks. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> 20 bucks. He, and he does not negotiate. It's like 20 bucks. That's it. Dead serious. He's like, yeah. Um, He's smart. <laughs> I did want to ask you, Marissa, um, as, a, as a member of, you know, uh, AAPI, Asian American, have you seen uh-huh. the roles for Asian Americans change, evolve? Where do you feel like that process is in, in entertainment or even roles you've, you know, created for yourself? Because I think it's, you know, uh, it's slow, slowly, slow change, but I, I'm just curious more this kind of opening that. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's come, I think it's come a long ways. Yeah. Definitely. I think it has a long ways to go, mm-hmm. but I think it's grown definitely. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's very common. I was listening to a podcast yesterday with a bunch of Asian American uh, producers and directors. And they were talking about, we have a long way to go in the entertainment industry, um, but we're, we're getting there. Mm -hmm. And so from, you know, from where we started, but it's also because Asian Americans have started to figure out that we need to create our own work. And yeah, so, I mean, the cast for searching for you is, 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 is almost all um, Asian, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think you're the only one. I'm the only little white guy in there, and I'm learning Korean, Corbin. I'm learning <laughs> Korean. That's fun. Yeah, so that's, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, Marissa, how was it balancing being a mom and pursuing an acting career? Because you know, you kind of talked about the different phases where you were, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in your twenties and doing that, and and have, now you have other responsibilities. You know, a wife mm-hmm. and a mother and things like that. You know, that that that. How do you balance the the time and energy? Gosh, I have to say, I have an incredible partner. And he really picks up the ball when I like when I need him to, when he sees that, like, I'm incredibly impassioned about something and that I just need to put a lot of time and energy into it. That's when he'll pick up the ball and say, okay, son, time to play catch, son, time to go to grandma's, son, time to be outside and keep ourselves busy. Um, And then my son's also incredibly creative and keeps himself occupied. Like he set up a COVID clinic the other day. (laughs) (laughs) He saw me. Oh, is he going to be the one on set? Is he going to be the one on, on set? He's going to be the one swabbing noses. Bend down a little bit, John. Bend down. I got to get up there. I got to get up there, bud. I hope so. And then he'll like, you know, he'll turn his his toy room into a museum. He'll ask me to like buy souvenirs as I'm walking out, you know, so he's just super imaginative. But it's been, um, it's a little bit of a challenge because, you know, you want to be present at the same time. You want to be fully present in your work. So it's a fine balance, but now he's old enough where he kind of understands that like my work, and I'm sure this is the same for you, John, like your son gets that, like 
your job is slightly different than you going off to the office for nine to five. Like your job is being in front of your computer with your mic. Your work is having people in front of you, you're coaching them. So he sees that it's a little unconventional. My son gets that too. So he's like, oh, mommy has to be at work upstairs in front of her computer. (laughs) And he sees my computer and he's like, that's her work. Yeah, so he um he understands that it's a little different. Yeah, I remember when it was like the pandemic, and I was still teaching acting class, but auditions weren't really happening, and so I was home a lot, a lot of time. And like then, when I w- did have to do something, you know, my wife and Quill would be like, "What's going on?" And I'm like, "Do you realize I'm here like so much of the week? Like, you know, one day I'm leaving. Like, you know, like I was trying to get them to understand, and they're like, "Why are you leaving?" I'm like, "Most people are gone five days of the week at work, nine to five." <laughs> I'm here nine to five. I got to go for like three hours. I mean, so I think um, it is an interesting thing, you know, yeah. explaining that and, and having, uh, you know, kids. And yeah. your, your husband is not, is not in the, is not in the business. Um, no, no. But, no. But his understanding. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. nice to, nice to have that. that, that yeah. Program. Yeah. Incredibly. Yeah. But my son will see me reciting lines and talking to the wall mm-hmm. and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm talking to the wall. He's like, Okay. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> How old is he? He's five. He's five. Okay. Yeah. So he's still figuring it all out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, do you think? Uh, do you think it's time, John, to switch? I think it is time. <laughs> this is our favorite part of the podcast, Marissa. It's called <laughs> your best, best bad acting. acting. <laughs> all right. So, what's fun about this? We're going to give you a quote from a movie. Uh, you may or may not recognize it. We try to pick kind of fam- famous ones. And the idea is um, it's in the chat uh, for you to just enjoy it. You don't have to do an impression of the person who did it. You can do it your own way. You can do it the way they did in the movie. Um, see if you recognize this. Okay. All those freaking sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their heads. I don't Do you, do you know what this yeah, is from, Marissa? I don't know. See, we I told you, we needed to give her like a drama, like a bleeding yeah, heart drama. Really, they would yeah. you know. Okay, so this is from Austin Powers. This is Mike oh, Myers. Yeah. Okay, this is this is really bad. Okay. Okay. So the idea is have fun with it. Go over the top. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to do. We okay. might give you a redirect, but the idea is just to have have okay. fun and, and just be Okay, so I have, I have to act this. Yes. yes. However you yes. feel. No okay. no wrong answer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are those freaking sharks? With freaking laser beams attached to their freaking heads. I didn't expect this character at all. I'm so happy. Okay, I got one, Corbin. Yeah. You got one. You okay, go. um, Marissa, I want you to try to do this line as a pirate, whatever that means That's to fun. you. Oh. Like, yeah, 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 That's yeah, fun. yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason, okay. I was feeling pirate. <laughs> Are those freaking sharks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go, go. That's so fun. That's it. Wait, wait. Are those freaking sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their freaking heads? <laughs> oh my gosh. If you're watching on YouTube, you saw oh. she covered one of her eyes and was really, she was into character there. That was great. I saw the parrot on your shoulder. That was, so that good. was good. That was great. Corbin, any thoughts? Otherwise, I think that was a great I mean, one. I got, yeah, I mean, that was it. That was amazing. I saw both of those. Those were great characters. Oh my gosh, Marissa, that was amazing. Thank you. Oh, well, Marissa, thank you for that. And and thank you so much for your time with everything, you know, getting prepping for this movie. Um, thank you for casting me. It's so wonderful. I'm excited for us to work together. Can I ask uh, how you 
how yeah. you found this audition and why you auditioned knowing yeah. that it was a Korean project? Yeah. So, um, I, I actually just found it, um, you know, I have an agent and manager, but I found it myself on actors access and I've started to look, even though I'm in Los Angeles, I'll look for things in Chicago or Wisconsin cause I have family there and stuff. So I, I submitted for it. Um, there was a line in there that said should speak Korean. I just ignored that. That did say <laughs> it in there. I just ignored that and just still submitted and then sent in a self tape. Um, and then it was pretty cool. I had my call back with, um, Marissa, um, and then, you know, found out the project and, and it was going to work as far as getting to Chicago, you know, cause they, you know, she wanted me to be there and, um, you know, going to see my, my, my parents in Wisconsin first and then come down and I'm super excited. I, I love everyone I've met and, you know, we, we, we sadly lost our, our, our first director, but then our, our, our new director that came in, Pooja, I know from out here, she went to Northwestern Corbin. And so oh, I know wow. her from like out here from kind of the alumni group. Uh, and we might've known each other at Northwestern too. I, I apologize. I, I, I can't remember now my brain is going, but, um, but yeah, so, so I, and so I'm, I'm super excited. So it feels like things are kind of falling into place. Mm. Uh, that being said, Corbin did want to ask you, Marissa, what say, was your, yeah. What? I was going to say, how was how John's audition? How was, yeah, I that's wanted, what he wants to know. I, know. I really wanted that's to know. That's what he so wants like, to know. It was so As... cute. It was so cute. Well, the initial <laughs> audition, he had some improv in there. Did I? Blueberries <laughs> and antioxidants. Like <laughs> and so I was cracking up because <gasps> it found that I didn't like when people improv. Oh, no. He was cracking me up because I was like... <laughs> Oh, that's right. Yeah, because I'm eating. I pretended I was eating cereal because we bumped into each other in the middle of the night. Yeah, and then I, had, I was like, "There's all oh, there's blueberries in here, antioxidants," which was not in the script at all. Yes, that's and then, true. And then at the end of the second scene, he said, yeah. "And your money, baby, and you know it." Oh yeah, yeah. And so in the which second fingers, in the second scene, we're doing all these movie quotes, and then I threw in a little bit of uh, Trent from uh, Vince Vaughn from Swingers, <laughs> and I figured she would recognize it and enjoy it, or whoever was then, watching it. And then it was just the way he was like, that's right, baby, Vince Vaughn. <laughs> there was like a certain cockiness to him that I was like, oh, confidence. my God. <laughs> confidence, yeah. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, this guy is um, I was like, he's something else. And then I showed <laughs> the director, and she just liked his, like, attitude. We just thought wow. he had a lot of moxie. Not a moxie. You can't, put, you can't put John in a box. No, you can't put him in a box. <laughs> I know. They tried. They keep trying. They keep trying. Oh, well, it was oh, lovely. Yeah. And then, and I just, so far, I mean, I, and, and just, I say that only because we haven't done it yet, but Marissa, it's just, first of all, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. I just, I'm, I'm so excited and I love to, to be working, you know, since I'm in LA, but you're in Chicago, I love seeing other artists and what they're doing and what they're creating and just the stuff you've already created. And I'm so excited, as you know, to be a part of this, this project, I definitely tried to support it as much as I can and, and be helpful. And I think that's what yeah. we can do and, you know, yeah. but, but, but stay out of the way too, you know, so, so you can do your thing. Yeah. But, um, well, thank you so much, Marissa. We appreciate yes. your time here. And the plan is once we shoot, we're going to come back with an episode with more of the cast and crew and director and stuff, um, which would be great to, to talk about the experience and, um, how it went great or how it was a train wreck. No, how <laughs> it went great, Marissa, how it went wonderfully. Um, so we're excited, but Thank you so much for your time. Yes. A lovely person, lovely artist, and please keep keep creating and making making projects because people are responding. So you thank know. you so much, John. Thank you so much, Corbin. Yeah, thank really you. Nice to you. Yeah, great to of meet course. you. Of course, awesome. Yeah. All right, Marissa. Uh, bye. Have a great one. Thanks. Bye, gentlemen. Bye. bye.
Thank you so much for listening to another exciting episode of the Moving Spotlight Podcast. Corbin, do we have uh, an ask this week? Yeah, please can everybody go to either Spotify or Apple Podcasts and rate and review us because we want to get those numbers up and we want to be people to find us because they can learn a little bit more and help you know, yeah. jumpstart their creative career as well. We're much more searchable when you rate and review us. So yeah. please um, give us those five stars. Um, we're not just asking, we're begging. No, <laughs> we're asking. Five stars would be great. Yeah. But write a review, it'd be wonderful. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Moon and Spotlight Podcast.